Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. All right, everybody. Happy Thursday. Happy Thursday. The week's winding down. Make some plans for this weekend. How are you going to center this weekend in self-care? And how are you going to center this weekend in joy? That's right. Joy and self-care. Rest, healing, fun, leisure, pleasure. That's what the weekend should be about. Those that have to work, find ways to kind of carve it in. Uh, Got a great show planned for you. Uh, Let's get into some openers, though. So much going on all the time. I don't know if it's always been this way or just right now, but I feel like it's always popping. Good stuff, though. We're going to do some good stuff. Maine adds non-binary option to birth certificates. Bam! Now, here's the thing. That would be something we'd most likely have to do retroactively and uh, non-binary adults, adults that don't, uh, that are neither male nor female in Maine can now easily change their birth certificate to reflect their gender status. And that would be an X. That would be the third option on a gender, uh, on the birth certificate, the gender area. Now, the reason why it's retroactive is when a child's born, you don't know it's gender. You'll know it's sex based on looking at its anatomy, but gender is uh, how we move through the world, what we present. And it has to do often with the physical manifestations of our clothing, our hairstyle, pronouns. Psychology is definitely tied in there. And that's usually something we have to figure out as an adult. And so when you're born, we don't know your gender. And when people realize they're non-binary, I love that they can go back and have their birth certificate match who they are. Maine, well done, because there's nothing more mentally unhealthy than to have documentation that's legal saying that you're someone that you're not and isn't aligning with who you are. And that is a mental health issue. So I love that that shift has been made. Well done. Sadly, the first case of COVID-19 transmission to an unborn baby has been reported. That came out of France. Uh, It was a case of a mother transmitting it to her unborn baby. It's been reported. She was 23 and she was admitted to a hospital in Paris with high fever and a cough. And uh, baby's got it. More to come on that. We're going to track that, but uh, that's really heartbreaking. It also speaks to, again, the seriousness of COVID and how we need to be very thoughtful because we already knew that all your decisions weren't just impacting you. They're impacting those around you, people you come in contact with, people you live with. Now it's also impacting your unborn baby. So pregnant mothers, be really thoughtful, not just you yourself, but also those that are coming in contact with pregnant individuals, I should say. So um, yeah, you got to look out for everyone. Man, please. All right. Niles uh, DeMarco, he's a model, a deaf model. He's going to start a new series uh, about a deaf man in modern times. I love this. Um, Basically, the show is going to be an irreverent comedy centered around his experiences as a charismatic, smart deaf man in modern times. The episodes will look to offer funny character-based storytelling designed to provide a deeper perspective on the experiences of the deaf and hard-of-hearing communities. I love it. 
That's how it should be. Everyone represented. It's good for all of us, deaf or hard of hearing or otherwise, for us to learn and encounter other ways of being, other communication styles, other identities. I love it. It's going to be an amazing show. Don't know much about him, uh, but he's got a big fan base, and I love that he's bringing something like that forward. A lot for us to learn from that. Again, any new level of respect and normalization around anything diverse or creative, any new ability, disability, neurodiversity, whatever it is, helps all of us. It helps all of us learn to be non-judgmental and to really encounter differences. Howard Stern, he comes forward saying August, um, Alcina's, uh, he came forward August and said that he had had an affair with Jada Pinkett Smith. And Howard Stern, like me, is weighing in on saying, look, keep it yourself. That's gossip. That doesn't need to be made public. It was made public. It didn't need to be. We don't all need to know about that. That's none of our business. I'm not a fan of celebrities feeling like they have to explain or defend themselves around personal behavior that doesn't impact anyone. And I I, and I'm really frustrated with magazines and outlets that are always talking about reporting. That's not news, that's gossip. We don't need to know about that. Don't put that on blast. And also a study came out showing that the number of people sharing adult content on OnlyFans sites has rose by ready 42% during Corona. These are sites where people create, post, and sell their own adult content. I'm all about it. Great way to make employment, sex work. It's risen by 42%. These people make bank bank. 42%. That is a huge rise, but not everyone has access to other forms of employment. People are laid off, don't have health insurance. People need need money, y'all. That's a really, really easy way for some to do it. Tell you the money that can be made because it goes almost all directly to them versus studio porn, which is more difficult, can't be done right now. Uh, So people are making these home videos. It's the world we're living in, right? People are taking control of themselves, taking control of their finances. Uh, LA Unified School District, that's here in California, of course, they will not be reopening campuses this year for uh, school due to a COVID spike. Now, that's LA, Los Angeles County. Orange County and other counties here in California in the local area are, and we talked about it. They won't be doing masks, no social distancing, having, that's a, that's a hot mess. My heart breaks. So I'm proud of LA County. They're saying we're not doing that. Why? They, they don't want to risk people's lives. I mean, it's shocking to me. Now, here's another kicker, because also in the Orange County area is Anaheim and Disneyland, which has reopened, which is shocking. They closed when COVID first started because it wasn't safe. Now that the numbers have skyrocketed, they think it's smart to open. And P.S., the corporate offices are closed because it's not safe. So why then is the park safe? Money, that's why it's gross. Capitalism before human lives, not okay. But Hong Kong Disneyland is closing again due to rising cases. That is how it's done. Shame on you, Disneyland. That's a hot mess. It is not safe to be open. And people think that if something's open, it is safe. It tests them. Don't test people. You know what I mean? Support people staying home by not being open. Pay your employees. Still give them health care. Yeah, that's called compassionate capitalism. That's how you do it. All right, y'all. We've got a great show planned for you. Question of the night's up on our Loveline IG page. Weigh in on that. Be breaking that on down later in the show. Listen to Loveline with Dr. Chris on the new channel Q and on radio.com. All right, and now let's go to our first guest, Chrissy Firemain, shamanic psychotherapist and lead healer of the new TBS show, Lost Resort. Welcome to the show. Thank you, Chris. So I always like to begin by just kind of normalizing, discussing mental health. So I always ask my guests, how is their mental health? How is yours right now? Brilliant. Yeah. Calm, steady, alert, feeling good. Thank you for asking. All right. I like those adjectives. You're thriving. That's good. And what kind <laughs> of uh, what kind of self-care do you find yourself traditionally using these days? Nutrition is number one, Chris. I don't think we can get anywhere unless we're giving our body and therefore our mind the, the highest quality fuel. And so I am a stickler for what I put into my mouth. So I eat a very high raw organic diet. 
packed with superfoods. So that's number one. I get good sleep. I live in a small town with no pollution. I drink excellent water. So those things give me, you know, the, the stead that is necessary to be of my best. I, I love that. Here in LA, we cannot get away from the pollution. So that was that was heartwarming to hear that there's a place where that doesn't exist. So yeah. um, let's talk a little bit about your show. It's going to be airing tonight at uh, 10 p.m. Eastern and Pacific on TBS. Give us a little bit of a peek into what we're going to see. Oh, God, I think this show is groundbreaking, to be honest. I really do. I mean, the bottom line is that it's entertaining. It's wildly entertaining. But the fact is <clears throat> the entertainment is, is something that people, I, I feel, haven't seen before in that we're going very deep into people's individual healing processes in a very alternative way, a, a way that the mainstream, you know, generally haven't even heard of, let alone witnessed. And so, um, you know, the drama, uh, the healing, the laughs, the challenges, it's, it's all real stuff. You know, this is not superficial drama. This is really people's core traumas and upsets meeting another's. And, and finding its way to the surface for healing. So I, I'm sure people are going to love it. Yeah, and I'm on board already. I'm a big fan of any kind of alternative process of healing because I think that there's so many ways that that can occur and they're not always things that are familiar to us. And I'm hearing more and more people talk about shamanic practices. So for those of our listeners that aren't familiar, what would be your really basic elevator pitch to explain what that is? The fact is we are multidimensional beings. Our modern society, our Western society, this industrial growth society has suppressed that out of us for, for millennia. So people aren't aware, uh, even to begin with, that we have a, a very powerful sp spiritual aspect to ourselves, a soul also. And, you know, in healing, these parts of ourselves must be addressed, must be acknowledged, and they're largely not um, in Western healing practices. And so, you know, we are at the end of our tether as a, as a society, as a, as a whole. We need change. And we are, I think, more and more looking to cultures uh, and societies that have um, stayed sane and healthy and in connection with nature throughout. And that is our, in our indigenous. And so uh, shamanic simply means uh, dealing with, connecting with the unseen. Um, and so, you know, there's a whole host of unseen forces that are here, beneficial forces, uh, um, beneficial beings and spirits that are here to support that, to support our healing journey. And so if we are wise, we would harness that. Um, so I've seen people seriously fast track their healing process and, you know, and even through their ancestral line, healing, you know, the generations before them and the children to come um, by by going to the Indigenous practices and by, you know, being humble and saying, yes, I, I don't know, maybe you can help me. And, um, yeah, massive change is available, Chris. It's really exciting. Yeah, I love that because I know here, I can only speak to, you know, America, we, we only trust that which we can uh, access with our senses. If we can't touch it or see it, we don't believe it's there. And some of the most important parts of life and the world are things we can't see or touch. That's right, like love itself. That's right. You know, how do you how do you how do you describe that? That certainly doesn't have a physical form, yet we know it's real, we feel it. What about dreams? You know, we all have dreams now. Let's you know, these are the basic entry points to admitting to ourselves that we don't have it all summed up in our little sort of Western box of understanding the universe. Um, and getting humble, getting real, and therefore growing. We'll be right back with Chrissy Firemane to talk more about healing in the time of COVID.
Chrissy Firemain, shamanic psychotherapist and lead healer of the new TBS show, Lost Resort. Let's talk about what, what people can do because I, I, I do see some patients that come into my office and, you know, we talk about the physical, we talk about the psychological, and there have been times where I thought, wow, this is actually a spiritual issue, and this is something that I'm not necessarily equipped to deal with. So how do we talk about mental health through spiritual lens, and what kind of things can people seek if they want to get healing on that level? That's a really good question. And I think very simply, I think the best answers are the most simple. I think the best answers to anything are the ones that everyone can access. I feel like that's the truth. And the truth of the matter, I feel, is that we've become very, very distanced from nature. Uh, and in the West, we we um, almost dominate nature or think nature is something to pretty, pretty or appreciate over there. You know, we take holidays to look at nature. But we've lost our inherent connection with nature, and that is spirit. Do you know, regardless of your, you know, religious background or you know, even your scientific understandings of, of the universe, we have, we are inherently connected. We are part of an ecosystem, or where we should be, part of an ecosystem. And when we come back to nature and our connection to it, we we thrive as individuals and as a collective. And we see that from the cultures that have stayed very closely connected to nature. They're healthy, they're grounded, they're solid, they're connected, they're, they're good in the heart. They lean on each other. They're collaborative. They're not competitive, you know. And so I think for us in the West, it's a it's a journey back to nature, um, and that's different for each person, uh, and it obviously depends on where we live. But even in the cities, we can go outside and spend time, you know, in parks or even bring nature inside, even to sit with a flower, to really sit with a flower and open up to it, open up to the fact that there may be a love flow, a communication coming from that flower. Well, I think Am I going to open myself to it, do you know? Yeah, and I think there's something uh, natural that draws us to that in that just here in LA, at least during COVID, I'm seeing a lot of people purchasing a lot of plants, like trying to just bring it into their home and connect, right? So beautiful and so wise. And yeah. so wise because the connection to nature, the connection to plants does stabilize us. It stabilizes, it, it almost starts to rewire ancient programming that brings us back to the truth of who we are as, as a humanity, you know, which, as I said earlier, the industrial growth society has almost smashed it right out of us. And we're, and we're coming back. This is the awakening. And that's why this show is so exciting, because this show is riding the, the, the inevitable wave uh, that is happening amongst humanity where we're waking up to the truth of who we are. You know, yeah. which is loving, loving, multidimensional creatures who love to help and care for each other. I love that. And I like the simplicity part. You know, quick story. I, like a good American, I was stressed out. I was overworking and I ran to this health food store and I said to the guy that worked there, give me a pill, give me a pill. And he said, when's the last time your bare feet touched the earth? And I was like, it's been a couple of years. And he was like, go to the beach immediately. And I went, took my shoes off, walked around, and I can't tell you how much of a total systemic impact that had on me positively. Oh, I would absolutely concur with that. You know, it, there's a beautiful African proverb that says that, that the, an ill man goes to the shaman and the shaman said, when did you stop singing? Mm. When did you stop dancing? Mm. Do you know, mm. and these 
natural, so nat like these natural ways of being that we have lost in the West, of walking barefoot on Mother Earth, of singing, of, of dancing, of being together, eating in circle on the ground with beloveds. Like this stuff is healing. <laughs> this stuff is powerfully healing. We don't need pills. You know, we need love and we need nature. Well, um, that's what this show's about, trying to reconnect people sure to that, is. right? And, and you know, God bless it. we got to get away from, you know, like you said, the capitalism move more towards that collectivity, that uh, that relationality and centering that. I mean, that's always my yeah. mantra as well. Go back to the relationships, the love, the care. That's it. Oh, God. And it is happening. And I think, funnily enough, COVID has been a wonderful catalyst for that, although, you know, very upsetting for a lot of people. It is taking us back to what's important. It is making us revalue, you know, what really are my priorities? And it is, it's our family, it's our connection, it's it's our love for life. It's not what we own, it's not our jobs, it's it's not the the nine to five. It's not that at all. And so this is this is a very exciting time for humanity and I think the perfect time for this show to be to be coming out. And it's a lost resort, and that's going to air tonight, 10 p.m. on Eastern and Pacific Coasts on TBS. Christy Firemean, thank you so much for being a part of the show, and thank you for everything you're doing. Coming up next, we're sliding into the DMs. All right, we're back. Now it's time to slide into those DMs. Sliding into the DMs. Sliding in the DMs is brought to you by our friends at Trojan Condoms because it's a big old sexy world. We want you to explore with confidence. Here we go. Dear Dr. Chris, I'm a 21-year-old Asian woman, and my boyfriend is almost 30. He's a black man. We love each other, and I know what people say and think about us. I'm not sure why, but recently, because of the Black Lives Matters movement, our race and age has become an issue. He says, I'll never understand the things he goes through, and I agree with him. But he'll never understand mine either, and that's where we fight. He doesn't see my side. Are there just too many differences between us right now? Bam. All right, let's break it on down. Let's go with the age first. I don't believe in uh, making anything out of age unless it's real. I don't believe in making issues unless there's an actual issue. And if I, and if I said to you, what's the issue in your age difference? Most likely you'd say, well, there isn't one other than people telling us there should be. I want people to date them appropriate, date you appropriate, not age appropriate, because I don't know what you appropriate is going to look like. And age doesn't promise anything. Chronological age does not tell us about compatibility, maturity, intellect, chemistry. We have to figure those out in real time. And some people might be shocked or know that they do better with people plus or minus more years than they're comfortable with. But love is about that. Love does not care about chronological age. Now, of course, I'm talking about age of consent, which is different in every state and country. But I'm saying within the legal confines, I don't want you worrying about age. I want you to actually go with what you have chemistry and compatibility with. And that might surprise you to be well beyond what you're comfortable with or your friends are. And I don't care. Be better than that. That's mental health is having the confidence and the self-actualization and the ego strength, all these clinical words we use, to live the life that makes sense to you. And if you're looking for love and partnership, you can't be hung up on age. And age appropriateness isn't even a real thing. That's gonna be a different answer based on who you ask. Some people will give you these magic formulas and none of them are real or promise anything, they're made up. And so you be with the person that you feel chemistry and compatibility with regardless of age. Yes, people will make something out of it. They will assume that there's some power dynamic that does not necessarily come with age dynamics. Um, they can be in the inverse of what people assume. So do you. You've got my full support around that. I want people to find love and happiness and companionship. And a lot of people keep themselves stuck and single and lonely based on these magic numbers. And sometimes it's ageism. They don't want to have it applied to them. They don't want to encounter it. So they only date within their age. Hey, you get to decide what you do. But 
I say people should be wide open if you're really looking for what you're looking for. And if the more you limit yourself with these specifications that are rooted in your anxiety, the more limited you are, you know? And we have an ageist culture, but there's tons of people that don't worry about things like that, plus or minus. I tend to date younger. I've got no shame in that. I usually date people about a decade younger. They have the energy and the personality style that tends to make sense and work with me. No shame in that. It's not about power or control. That's offensive. That's patronizing. It's about what makes sense to me and feels good to me. As far as the race thing, you're right. He can't understand and you can't understand, but you don't need to battle that out. It's not a competition or the, or the as we say, you know, oppression Olympics. Uh, we do want to be aware of racism and how it can show up, how someone who's Asian can be racist, someone who's black can maybe act out some anti-racial prejudice or biases. Talk about it. Acknowledge it when it shows up. But I don't know that you need to understand where the other one's coming from. You can't. We can't be colorblind. We can't necessarily understand someone else's racial or you know or identity experience. We don't have to. Be empathetic, be open to hearing and learning, be accountable, let them point things out, but we don't have to quote unquote understand. Like I don't know what that means, but of course we can't. We can't understand someone maybe necessarily in a different age bracket or with a different sexual orientation. We can have empathy, um, and it's really about relate. We can understand, it's just that we can't relate. You know what I mean? It's not relatable because we haven't lived that life, but we can understand. We can understand fear and anxiety and oppression and discrimination, right? Especially if you have some marginalized or exploited identity, but you might not be able to relate with the specificity. That's okay. Um, I'm glad we are where we are. You'll learn tons of books, conversations, you know, find where, where it does intersect and where it doesn't have care and compassion around that. As long as you're both respectful and open to learning and being called out, all's well, you know? So go off into the sunset and do your thing. I'm just happy when people meet and they fall in love. Do the work. It's going to be difficult, especially right now. It's very prevalent. It's very sensitive. It's on the topic. Hold space for the fact that he's black and that right now we're seeing a lot of black violence on television and in conversations. It's triggering. It's a big moment. It's a powerful time. Maybe backseat whatever you need him to know about your racial stuff or your racial issues, your racial concerns to center his. You know, right now black lives matter and they haven't been that way historically and we need to really center that. Not that Asian lives don't matter, they do. But now might not be the moment to try to really center that, you know, unless it, unless it is for you and then you bring up that in micro moments, you know. Slime the DMs is brought to you by our friends at Trojan Condoms because it's a big old sex of world. We want you to explore with confidence. Question of the night, it's up on our Loveline IG page in the story, so weigh in on that, still some time. Listening to Loveline with Dr. Chris on the new channel Q and radio.com. All right, now we've got our next guest, Rhiannon Webb, therapist and educator at Raven Coast Wellness. How are you? Lovely to see you. How is uh, how's your mental health doing right now through everything? It's it's pretty good. I feel I feel like you know I'm in a part of my country that has been very very um, gently affected by everything that's going on, and so uh, you know I'm definitely not feeling as much of the pressure right around me. Um, that being said, my, my wife and I do have three kids in the house. And so between work and keeping everything under wraps in the house. Um, that'll do it. Yeah, that'll do it. <laughs> but you're in beautiful Canada. You know, you're doing far better with COVID. We're here in the U.S., not really nailing it so much. But uh, let's talk a little bit about that. So touch deprivation is something that I'm hearing more and more people talk about. Something that I'm also tracking a little bit in some of the patients that I'm still working with. Um, when we talk about touch deprivation, what do you discuss? Well, I, I definitely think about, um, I often think about the anthropological effect that, you know, our, our bodies bring to everything that we experience. And so, you know, that touch is such a core way that we find safety. Um, we connect with people. It's the first sense that comes online when we're born. That's how we know whether we're safe in the world. And so it's a really, really 
core piece of how we feel okay. And then you're looking around at, at a world where so many pieces of our necessary sense of security are being threatened right now. Like people aren't sure what's happening with their jobs and therefore their capacity to feed themselves and house themselves. And, and we would usually, uh, you know, reach out for contact, whether we realize it or not, in order to help regulate what that does to our systems. And then that's that's not accessible for a lot of people right now. And it's interesting because I'm someone who was getting a lot of touch, but I, I'm now living alone. I'm self-isolating alone. And I've, I've personally felt the impact. And what I've done, and I wasn't aware I was doing this until I was reflecting back, but I've started sleeping, hugging my pillow. I'd never done that before. Yeah. Well, and it's it's really common. I mean, obviously, you know, we're we're wired to feel well and we're wired to get our needs met. And, um, you know, there are lots of ways that people can actually meet some of those needs without having other people around. But in this case, because everything is just completely different right now, being deliberate about that is huge, like having pets and finding contact. And, and yeah. I'm thankful. I, I am honestly thankful I have a pet because there's there is something different about uh, hugging life versus hugging so, something inanimate like a pillow. And it's been, you know, again, she's not so on board with it, but I'm glad she's there and I get to steal some hugs. So for people that don't have access to to anyone or anything, um, what would you, if anything at all, recommend they do to try to get some of those needs met? Or is this just a time when we have to go without? I don't think that it's a time when we have to go without. No, I think that there are some really nice ways. Like when you think of what touch provides other than just the interpersonal interaction, like it's in your nervous system, it's in your body. And so um, it's surprising how far deliberate self-touch can go. Uh, you know, a lot of times we walk around really quite attuned to what's happening up in our heads. We don't think so much about what's happening in our bodies. And so finding things, um, noticing pleasure, uh, you know, being deliberate about that shirt that feels really soft when you put it on or you know, taking a second with with a lotion you really love and having self-massage. And sometimes that idea of even pressure, like if it's not too hot where you are, being able to wrap yourself in a blanket or have a warm bath, but just something that stimulates the senses and feels soothing is going to at least help with some of the neurochemicals that you're missing from touch. I, and I love how holistic that is, though, because it's not just uh, dealing with the touch. It's also just helping people center joy, as you pointed out, self-care. And I started to try to do that, take notice of like how I felt with everything I was engaging, the things I was drinking, like you said, the clothing I was wearing. And, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm pushing for us all to only wear sweatpants uh, leaving the house moving forward because I was never a fan. And that's all I wear now. I'm literally wearing a pair right now. You can't see because the screen cuts it off. But moving forward, I think I'm wearing nothing but comfortable, comfortable things. It's huge. Yeah, and I think that's true. I think a lot of people are really realizing a couple of things. On the one hand, noticing comfort a lot more, like noticing what's soothing, because I think that, again, whether we realize it or not, we're really attuned to finding what will feel comforting. And uh, yeah, and and then also just that, that sense of like, who am I doing this for? And yeah. Oh, I like that. <laughs> who am I doing this for? And being more self-centering. We'll be right back with Rhiannon Webb to talk more about touch deprivation in times of COVID. Rhiannon Webb. So let's talk about the after effects of this. Do you have any concern with people moving forward with some touch phobia as we're watching the news and being told to distance and some people have gone now, what, almost five or six months, maybe not having touched another human being? Absolutely. And I noticed this in myself. I, I think a lot of people that I talk to also notice this uh, watching shows, watching movies, and you see people, you know, walk up to each other and go in for the hug. And it's like, oh, what are you doing? Danger. Yeah. 
casually shaking hands yeah. or, you know, just touching everything, rubbing their eyes. Like, I think we notice all of these things a lot more. And I certainly, um, you know, again, where I am, we've kind of been permitted to, to make a very small bubble of contact that we can have with people. And I hugged my first person yesterday that's outside of my household. Mm. And, uh, and I was anxious. And this is one of my best friends. And so I think that, uh, I think that, you know, and I think all the time about this stuff, I literally think about it for my job. And so I imagine that going forward, there will be that sense of concern and, and just foreignness too, because we really we're very adaptable creatures, we acclimate. And I think that, yeah, I think that that's people are going to feel this going forward. Yeah. And I, and I like what you said, if we can use that adaptiveness in service of refamiliarizing ourselves with touch, because that's what's coming up with some of the clients I'm working with around sex therapies. They're saying, how can I engage in sexuality now? But also after this, if I'm feeling anxious around people. And so there's there's so much in that. But I, I like people just paying attention to the core role that touch has for us in general. Mm-hmm. Well, and I think there's a very a, a piece that I've been thinking a lot about that I, I feel is really important is the way that this experience socially is possibly helping people understand the experiences of others that they may not otherwise have understood. For example, people in fat bodies and trans bodies in disabled bodies in racialized bodies have a lot more acquaintance um, or can have a lot more acquaintance with the touch starvation, touch deprivation. Um, and and I think that there are a lot of things about this pandemic that are helping people understand uh, parts of how we live in society that are hurting other people all the time that may not be on everyone's individual radar. And touch is definitely one of those things because that's something I see come up a lot for people. Ooh, such, a, such a great analysis. And, and I love what like my brain went to, which is, yeah, let's walk away from all this with more compassion towards those individuals, right? Mm-hmm. I'm going to have to definitely have you on my radio show so we can talk more about that because I'm all about the intersectionality. <laughs> uh, so you work with single people and partner people in uh, sex and relationships at Raven Coast Wellness. Uh, give a little plug for yourself. What would people want to reach out to work with you around? Well, as you said, sex and relationships for sure. I have a particular passion about uh, how all of those things intersect with the perinatal window. So I'm trained as a birth doula. I've done lots of stuff around birth work and about um, how a lot of things in society intersect with those roles and how those changing roles kind of get into people's heads. And so I, I really like working with people who are sort of wrestling with what those changing roles in life mean. Oh. For really. Beautiful work. Uh, Rhiannon Webb, one of the smarter people I know. I love everything you're doing. Thank you so much for being a part of the show. Thank you so much for having me. Wonderful to see you. You can catch more of Chrissy Firemane and Rhiannon Webb on I'm Listening, our mental health show that airs every Thursday at 5 p.m. Pacific, 8 p.m. Eastern on Radio.com. All right, we're back. Now it's time for Question of the Night. Question of the Night comes from our Loveline IG page on the stories. Tonight's question... The demand for cooking robots is on the rise. I'm part of that one because I can't stand cooking. I really wanted to find joy in cooking over this time, but I haven't, so props to those that love it. So the demand for cooking robots is on the rise, apparently because restaurants believe robot chefs will make it safer in restaurants. Probably faster and more efficient, but takes the artistry out of it, right? Isn't there something beautiful about the personalization of each entree or meal and how they're just, I don't know, putting love into it versus just it being pumped out like it's at McDonald's? Would you feel comfortable eating out when the chef was a robot? Man, that kind of, just in my mind, it takes the fun and the artistry out of it. Like I go I go into restaurants where the chef, every the menu changes and the chef is using local ingredients and the chef is 
I don't know, a chef. They're a true artist. They're looking at the sights, the smells, the flavors. I can't imagine a robot just like McDonald's banging it out. But anyway, question tonight was, would you feel comfortable eating out in the restaurant when the chef was a robot? <laughs> I love this robot stuff. First person said, no, no, robot food. Yeah, thank you. We want people to have jobs. I mean, there's a, we could get to a point where everything's done by robot. And then what are we doing? There's no, no longer we engaging in the fun or artistry of different craftsmanship, whether it's producing clothing or design or even cooking. That, that breaks my heart that that could even happen. That's horrible. Someone else said, nope. And I wouldn't eat at a place like that anyway, taking jobs away from people who need the money right now. Yep, that was my mind as well. Let's not take jobs away from people. Let people have that job, but also let people enjoy the fun and beauty of cooking. That's too autonomatized. That's too, I don't know, depersonalized. Again, question of the night is, would you feel comfortable eating out when the chef was a robot? Because don't you feel like there's restaurants where you grab food off a conveyor belt, sushi restaurants like that. It's also uh, restaurants, man, this is kind of back in the day, but there's a few where you kind of, you ordered it in from a phone or you go up to the counter. I, I don't know. Part of me going to a restaurant is having some of that human interaction where there's a server and a chef and like, I just like the energy of that. I, I just don't, I don't want it to be so impersonal where I'm just typing it in or calling it in and it just gets dropped off and a robot made it. Like I'll just... I'll just stay home and get delivery. Question of the night, would you feel comfortable eating out in a restaurant if the chef was a robot? Someone said, would rather have real people keep their jobs and just have heightened security procedures. Bam, I agree with that. Wash your hands. Don't be, you know, sweating or sneezing in my food. Um, like for, I'm, I'm down with forever chefs or servers wearing masks. I'm sorry. I know you don't all like hearing that, but I also, I've, I've been thinking about that. I would prefer that to always be the case. Someone else said, not at all. It's missing all the love. Yeah, right? I want the love in there. I swear I can feel it. And that might be, that might be me. Excuse me, I'm stuttering. That might be me getting all woo-woo on you. But like, I want the love. I want to know that that was personally made for me. I also have a lot of dietary restrictions. God bless. So um, I want to know that that can be accommodated. I just think it changes the whole dining out experience, you know? Uh, would you feel comfortable eating out when the chef was a robot? Someone said, I try it once, but it's, I try it once because it's cool, but then I'm good. Yeah, that's actually pretty fair. I think I'd want to see once what that means, what that's like. Although maybe we wouldn't even know because it's like in the back. I think in our mind we're fantasizing like an actual robot that has like a chef's hat on and they're back there with multiple arms like making all the food and flipping it around and doing cool stuff. And it's like, no, that's probably not the case. It'd probably be some assembly line where things are getting slapped together and we don't even get to see it. I don't think it's going to be like the Jetsons or some cool version. I think it'd be some like, you know, corny assembly line. I'm sure it's on its way. I'm sure it exists somewhere too. Again, question of the night. Would you feel comfortable eating out if the food was cooked by a chef that's a robot? Someone said, yeah, why not? Technology's wild. I appreciate that too. I mean, I get it. I do geek out on technology. I think it's awesome. I do like how anytime there's any technological advancement, somehow sex and eroticism get folded in and, you know, sex expands. So I, I do appreciate technology. I'm not a ludite where I'm anti-technological advancement. I think it can make, make life better and easier. But as long as that's what it's doing. It also, as we we're talking about, and I love the ethics of our, our, our followers, um, it can also lead to the loss of jobs and things becoming very depersonalized and things getting lazy. And I don't, and I mean lazy just in terms of like no, no, um, no fulfillment or I, I don't know. I don't, I kind of don't like that. Somebody else said, if it's fast food, yes. Seen way too many videos of people doing gross things to the food. Ah, yes, such is true. But is that more an issue of the ethics of the people working there and the management? Um, I feel like if the robots involved, things could still get nasty. You know what I mean? 
But I do feel you. I've seen some of those videos and you're kind of like, wow, I never, ever, ever want to eat out again. Maybe it would cut down on food poisoning. I don't, I don't know. That'd be an interesting question. Is it more sterile and more hygienic if a robot's doing it? Because um, there's no human touch and bacteria. I don't know. That's a really good question. I feel like I need, I need more answers. Question night. Uh, would you eat out at a restaurant if you knew that the chef was a robot? Someone said, what's next though? Robots bussing tables, I'm good. Yeah, I think that is kind of what's next, right? Is totally uh, having a robot do everything, no humans involved. And then again, we might as well just be going through a drive-through window at that point, because it's just a table. Let's go through a drive-through and sit out at a table outdoors at that point. Like again, no human interaction, nothing like personalized, no ambiance. I don't know, I like all of that. And I want people to have jobs. So anyway, that's my jam. Thanks to all those that participated. Uh, question night for tomorrow is probably already up on our Loveline IG story. So check in on that. Wait on that. Coming up next, though, we're going to be sliding into those DMs. You're listening to Loveline with Dr. Chris on the new channel Q and on radio.com. All right, we're back. Now it's time to slide into those DMs. Sliding into the DMs. Sliding the DMs is brought to you by our friends at Trojan Condoms because it's a big old sex of world and we want you to explore with confidence. Here we go. Hey, Dr. Chris, my name is Rachel and I've been together with my girlfriend for almost a year. However, I have a secret that I'm not telling her. We've met before years ago and we tried to date back then. Didn't work out and we moved on. And I told her that I'm over it and everything happens for a reason, especially timing but there's one thing I can't get over. Back then, I found out it wasn't working because someone else told me she was cheating on me. And now, getting into this new relationship, she's changed, and so have I, but I still feel a little uncertainty about her. If she could cheat on me back then, what makes it different now? I'm afraid we're too far in the relationship to bring it up. Should I just get over it? Oh, I love this. So, you know, sadly, some people think once a cheater, always a cheater. It's not true. People grow and they change. It's the whole, you know, it's what, Therapy is predicated on if I, I, well, number one, I see it all the time. So I know it's true. Uh, and we're different people at different times and we're different people in different relationships. We're always changing. We're always growing and we're always responding to context, time, place, the people we've been with. And so, yeah, this person's probably grown up and changed. I don't know what the reason was for it happening back then, but that doesn't mean they would do it now. Uh, once a cheater is not always a cheater. And I want people to be given an opportunity when they mess up to be better and to do better. Otherwise, none of us would be dateable because we've all done things we're not proud of and we continue to and we probably will again. Uh, yes, bring it up. It's not too far in to bring it up. It's never too far to bring anything up. I tell clients all the time, you're allowed to revisit a problem or a topic or something that was said a week ago, a month ago, a year ago. Hey, listen, a year ago you said this. It's still on my mind. Or last week when we were fighting, I never really got to finish my thinking. I wanted to now share with you what I think. You're always allowed to circle back. It's always open. There's never such a thing as it's too far gone or it's too late to bring something up. What a beautiful act of care and intimacy. Care because you're saying by bringing it up, I want this to work. I want to talk about my feelings and thoughts. Intimacy because you're being transparent and you're normalizing in your relationship, being honest and sharing emotions. So I absolutely want you to bring it up. I want you to bring everything up. Healthy relationships can tolerate a lot of intimacy, truth, and closeness. I want that. That's what I work with clients on. So bring it up. Hey, you cheated in the past. I want to just understand what that was about. Is that something you'd consider doing in the future? You know, And then you and her build a relationship that's so strong and meaningful, neither one of you would want to choose that as an option. But people do change. But people do change. And I want people to be given the space to own that, 
to be accountable and apologize. This kind of this comes up with cancel culture, where we can't vote everyone off the planet because they've harmed in some way. People have to be allowed to be accountable, apologize, and do better. But the work is about them following and doing those three points. They apologize. They say, I'm really sorry that I did what I did. Then they take accountability, which is tied to the apology. They recognize what happened and they, they say that. It's not just I'm sorry, which is the apology part. The accountability is here's what I did. And they really fully embody and acknowledge what was done. And then they share with you what they would do to be different or to be better and how they got there. Yeah, I'm sorry I hurt you and cheated. Um, I cheated by blah, 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 blah. But since then, I've realized through therapy, through thinking, through reading, through healthier friends, through better coping mechanisms, that that's really a problematic way to handle things. And in the future, I'd be more forthcoming if someone hurt me or let me down. I would be more transparent and let them know, da, 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 da. Like, that's what it's supposed to look like. And then the answer is, thank you for being honest. Thank you for sharing that with me. Like, you are now a safe person. So I want couples to talk about those difficult topics. A healthy relationship can talk about anything. Because you know it's about not whether or not conflict exists, but how we manage it if and when it happens. And this is a way that you communicate your partner and to yourself, we're gonna be a very transparent, open, healthy couple that tackles everything very lovingly and there's room for mistakes to be made. And when they are made, you can come to me, acknowledge it, own it, and we move on. And I want you to be willing to embody that, hear that, and move forward, right? As long as someone apologizes, takes accountability, and tells you how they'll do better and how they've been working on it, all's well. So bring it up. It's a way you build, like I said, intimacy and um, repair. We got to be willing to allow repair and to do repair. So uh, that's that. Sliding in the DMs is brought to you by our friends at Trojan Condoms because it's a big old sex world and we want you to explore it with confidence. All right, y'all. My show, I'm listening live. As we said, it can be uh, checked out on all the rated.com handles, YouTube, Twitter, Facebook. Check out past episodes and so can Loveline at wearechannelq.com or radio.com. Past episodes, post them, share them, binge them. Good stuff. Um, and uh, question night, it's always up on our Loveline IG page and the stories, so weigh in on that. And the DMs, always open. Slide on them. Drop us your questions. As always, y'all, though, thanks for hanging out with me. Have an awesome rest of your week and a good weekend. And uh, have a great night.